video too? I'm share. Welcome to No Instructions, I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And I'm dumping a bag. This was bag That's number four. three, four. It was bag the, three, four? It was, <laughs> this is the third bag number four. Three dash four? And it was the last bag. Almost done with the Lego Aston Martin. Now hold on. There's only three bags? Like three is the high? No, four was the high. But on each one of those numbers, there were like up to four bags. So there were four number two bags, and there were four number three bags, and there were three number four bags. Doesn't make uh, something just <laughs> That's disappear. That's super silly. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. Because like the other ones have up to like 14 bags. Oh, yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't be sequential. I don't know. Other than maybe, huh, maybe they, instead of breaking it down, they, they break, maybe they break it down by task. So that in the instructions, they're looking at this section, this task, and then we take all the pieces that you need for that. That's mm-hmm. number four. And then physically, if that necessitates more than one bag to mm-hmm. hold that number of pe- pieces, maybe yeah, they break that. it up that way. That's usually how they break stuff up by yeah. task. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. But you don't have a set in front of you. I don't. Why? Because I finished the uh, forklift. I keep wanting to call it something else. It's a forklift. <laughs> the Lego Technics forklift the is forklift. done. We have a special thing. That go ahead and show it. We can show them. Okay. If you're watching, uh, if you're not watching, then we'll tell you what it is. But there you it can is. see it. So this is the Lego Brickheads like build your own set. And it comes with two... A uh, little brickhead-looking benign figures that you embellish and add all the stuff to. Wow, there's like serious stuff happening yeah. above us. It's rearranging furniture in your house. Yeah. yeah, But your wife got that for us, and so you're going to make me, and I'm going to make a you. Oh, that's the plan. I thought that's what we talked about. Oh, it was so it, long ago. I thought we were going to make ourselves, but that actually sounds like more fun. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. But neither of us are really all that familiar. I mean, you've made far more brickheads than I have, but... I mean, I've really only made a couple. My kids have made a bunch. Yeah. Um, They're a very specific design aesthetic that I think neither one of us are very fluent in. mm -mm. So it'll be fun. And it will be the first time that we're actually building something creatively on here, not just building a set that we've had. Where we don't have instructions? Exactly. Where there are I I built one without any instructions, but it didn't make it into the show. (laughs) Really? It messed up. Remember that, that one over there? We had a small Star Wars set. Well, there were instructions. You just didn't, I just didn't use, use them. them. <laughs> I built the set strictly by looking at the box. Hmm. And it worked, I think. So one of the things I would like to do eventually on this show, after we get through the backlog of sets that I have to build, uh, which actually will take at least 4,000 episodes. I say, we will but be well into our 80s by then. <laughs> what I would like to do is pull out all of my old Legos, which are in the other side of the table that we're working on, Pull them out and do like a build-off type, not a build-off thing. So one thing me and my friends used to do on occasion, we would get all my my bricks out, put them on the table. Everybody would sit around the table, and you build for 15 minutes. We set a timer. And then at the end of that 15 minutes, you pass whatever you have to the person to your right. And then you work 15 minutes on that, mm. and then you pass, and you pass. And you do that till your original piece gets all the way back around to you. You can use anything you want. You can change Anything about what you just got, you can start over completely. And so it was pretty wild because you'd start building a truck, and then by the time you got it back, it was like a plane monster or something, <laughs> just like totally off the wall. And everybody had different levels of familiarity with Lego and with you know what you could get out of pieces and how you could construct certain shapes and stuff. So it was pretty entertaining. 
And actually, I think the very first video on the I Like to Make Stuff channel is one of those nights. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's like a time lapse of, yeah. of that. I'm not sure why that's still there, mm. honestly. But if you want to see that, go back to the very, very beginning. You, can see you and I kind of did something like that when we were trying to design um, a sofa table. We were somewhere. Oh, we were oh, driving back, and we um, did that in Fusion 360. We were in the car. It was this time last year going to WorkbenchCon. I think it was coming back from WorkbenchCon. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, it was on that trip. But Yeah, I started designing a sofa table, and then after, what, 10 minutes or whatever the time frame was, I handed it to you. You modeled up something else and handed it back to me, and it went back and forth a couple times. I still had that model, but we never ended up building it. It probably looked bad. I don't remember it what it ended up looking like. I mean, it's a sofa table. It <laughs> needs to be skinny and stand up. That's about it. But in lieu of a Lego set today, I am going to be attempting to solve a Rubik's Cube. We were recently sponsored by Skillshare, and there were some courses on there that um, gave you some tips on how to solve it. And I did it. Yeah, you did. It took a little while, but I figured it out, and I did it. And so now I'm going to try to do it without the assistance of someone else. So I'm going to try to do this cube, which is the one that you had. This is a faster, speedier one. So this one has been randomized. Like, I haven't done anything to it. If you're looking on the video, this is the one that I solved that I was super excited about that hopefully everybody will be able to see in your Instagram stories. And, mm, yep. Um, let me see. When's this going to come out? Tuesday? Tuesday, yeah. Hopefully would be... you would have seen it already. Yeah. Um, but on the podcast, I'm going to be solving a Rubik's Cube, which is one of the silliest, goofiest, like, most unnecessary things that you should be able to do in life or aspire to do in life if you really care that much. <laughs> it's always been one of those things that, like, I fancied myself a semi-smart person, and this was always the hurdle that I could never get over, so I was mm. never actually smart because I couldn't do this. You know what's funny about that? A lot of people feel that way about them, I think. They yeah. think that it's like a uh, some sort of a logic thing mm -hmm. where it's some sort of a problem-solving thing, and it is not. Nope. It is pure it's memory. Yeah. Pure memory. It. It's not even really a puzzle. I mean, I guess it kind of is. The first, the first batch, um, so I looked at a couple tutorials, and some are like, well, this part is just intuitive. <laughs> and so depending on, like, the, your ability to think in three dimensions or – kind of think a couple steps ahead, that intuition can be really, really difficult. Mm, yeah. And there are times when you get really frustrated where you, you miss something that's really obvious. But to get to, like, the algorithms and the really quick, like, really fast hand motions, you have to get to that first stage. And that first stage, from what everyone is saying, is based in just intuition. Yeah. I mean, I could see that, the first level. Yeah. yeah. Um, our kids are doing chores above us. That's why you hear a vacuum cleaner. So sorry about that. But... Such is life. Um, so I don't want to. Whoa! Look Sorry. at that. Do you, the first step of Rubik's cube is not throwing. Not throw Rubik's it across cube. the table. Um, so don't take this as a negative. I'm gonna try not to. I can't okay. make any promises. <laughs> but don't be disappointed if you fail miserably at this after having done it the first time mm -hmm. and been able to keep track of your step in front of you know like you had a situation where you're looking at the right algorithms to do mm -hmm. and then you were following them and you would backtrack if you got into a place that you you know was messed up so i remember learning how to do it the first time and the first time i i finished it i was like sweet i got this i can do this <laughs> and then i tried to do it again total it's all gone and that's because you have to when you solve a rubik's cube you do the first steps 
over and over and over and over, and you start to learn those. Mm-hmm. And the next steps, you do fewer times. Yep. And so it takes longer to learn those. And then right. that third level, you have to do the whole thing a bunch of times for that third level to be like implanted as a memorable thing. So, you know, don't be disappointed if you get halfway through it and you're like, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's broken up into stages. I don't remember how many I logically sectioned off, like how many chapters I put together. But you're you're right. I got all the way to like the very last chapter and then boogered something up and had to just like, and don't remember what I did and had to just start all over. And so the first, say, four chapters of this story, I got pretty decent at because it's just repetition. Like once you get the logic section, it's just finding how they line up and then doing the thing. And then finding how these people need need to line up and then doing the thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to work with this today. Cool. So I can have two. Two done cubes. Ooh, you could try to do two at the same time. No. <laughs> no. But, uh, what could go wrong? I don't want to do that. Everything. So you're, um, you uh, are home by yourself right now. Yeah. My people went down to visit some friends uh, that we used to live near in Georgia. That they knew, I didn't know. It was from the homeschool community they belonged to. And they're in Nashville. And so they drove down to Nashville. So they left yesterday morning before I came here. And I didn't have anything to do. So I went to go watch a movie. <laughs> What'd you see? I saw Alita Battle Angel. How was it? It was cool. Really? Yeah, I like. it. I, I've heard some really good stuff about it. That it was very, very different than anything else that's... Of that type of movie, I guess. I love... What I love the most about sci-fi movies is that you you put me in a place and I'm going to believe you. If you tell that story well enough, no matter where we are in time or space and dimension, like, okay, let's do it. And it started off the movie, like, boom, we're in a whole different place and we're going to tell you. We're not going to spell out why stuff happened. Hmm. You'll figure it out as we go along. And that's exactly what happened. And Hmm. I liked it. Like, I I was along for the ride. And it was... Very much CG. The the story is there's a robot, and then she's a robot girl. Yeah. There you go. Not spoiling anything, as I tend to do accidentally. <laughs> but robot girl is maybe a battle angel in huh. some way. Oh, man, you're giving so much away I now. know. But there's, like, very obvious CG characters, and then there's live-action characters, and then when they blur the two together, um, it looks really good in some ways, in, in some areas. And then, like, the, the Uncanny Valley, where it's like, that's creepy because you're kind of a person, but you're kind of not a person. Like, you're trying to be, but it's not working. Right. They made her eyes, like, very large on purpose. To kind of get past that valley. Yeah, to yeah. just, like, accept it in the middle, like, right from the beginning. She's not an actual person. She's a robot. You get that. Right. Um, do you remember Artemis in... The Ready Player One mm-hmm. movie, how her eyes were like that. Yeah, yeah. That's how that's how Alita right. looked in the movie. I gotcha. But then later on, there's other characters that kind of blur the lines between hmm. people and robots, and that's when you notice it, or that's when I noticed it. Gotcha. Because you're like that person is a CG character, and then even Alita, I'm like, man, they're doing a really good job. It's huh. not like Rogue One where people were upset because they were expecting to see a human and they saw a digital head and they're like, yeah, it didn't work. Right. You're expecting to see a CG character and then it blends really, really well into like actual people. It kind of has that reverse. It's like, wow, they're doing a really good job. Or I'm not noticing as much, even though her eyes are gigantic. Yeah. You just get accustomed to it. Yeah. Huh. But then toward the end of the movie, like it, it blurs and you're like, oh, yeah. 
Ah, okay. That's, <laughs> yep. That's goofy looking. Huh. Well, I'm interested good. to see it. I, I wanted to go last night, but I'm leaving this weekend, so I wanted to hang out with the fam. That's a smart move. Yeah. But I think in a few weeks I'm going to be taking a little trip by myself. Uh, I mean, I'm going by myself, I guess, this weekend too, but I'm going to, to meet a whole bunch of people at WorkbenchCon. WorkbenchCon. So I won't really be by myself. What is WorkbenchCon, Bob? Well, since you asked, it's, I mean, you went last year, so you know. Uh, it's its just like a conference kind of thingy around content creation. Uh, last year was the first year you and I both went, and it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was relatively small. Two, yeah. 250 people or something like that mm-hmm. in there. I think there's 400 this year, so a little bit bigger, but not, you know, terrible. Um, but I think one of the things I really liked about it last year was that it was it was an interesting cross-section. So, like, when you go to Maker Faire, you have all sorts of people. You have people who create content. You have people who want to see 3D printers. You have kids who are just interested in anything interesting. You have, you know, families who are just trying to entertain the kids. You have people of all ages and all interests, and it's just all jammed in one place, um, which is great. But WorkbenchCon was cool last year because it was this cross-section of maker people who have that maker part of them that want to, you know, or are interested in how things work and want to create things. And almost every one of those people was also trying to make a go at content creation as a side hustle, as a career, as a mm-hmm. potential whatever. And so it was hyper-focused. Yep. And I think that was what made it really, really cool. And so I'm interested to see this year if it's the same. I kind of have a feeling that it's not going to be the same. Uh, from what I've seen from people's Instagram stories and then like the workbench con behind the scenes stuff that they've been posting on Instagram, it's much bigger. It's in a different venue. Mm-hmm. So the intimacy I think that there was last year because there were fewer people, uh, a lot of things were more accessible. The venue, not that it was small, like it was appropriate. Yeah, it was. They had yeah. different buildings, and in those different buildings, people were giving classes, people were giving talks. They had uh, the actual influencer marketing specialists from a bunch of different companies, like giving speeches and talks and, and tips. And those things I absorbed. I thought they were great. And so you get a lot of inside information, and it felt a lot more intimate, and people were able to take notes because they were in a smaller setting. Mm-hmm. Like I got to TIG weld. So you think of this thing as like this informational type conference slash meetup kind of get together thing. And it was really awesome. Yeah. I mean, I got a lot of behind the scenes information from companies. I got a sponsor while I was there for a project. I learned how to TIG weld. I met a bunch of cool people that I already knew, uh, met people I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so this year there's more people going because they're making it bigger, which is great. Um, But yeah, I'm interested to hear from some people that I know that are going that have never been before and then the people that have been yeah. last year to kind see the difference. See if it's you know, different. Yeah, I'm hoping they'll, they're doing the welding thing again because if so, I'm definitely going to make effort to go over there and have somebody who knows how to TIG teach me specifically how to do it because I think that's just the hurdle that I yep. have had so far. I just like haven't had the motivation to go in there and like attempt it without some base knowledge. Um, well, there was there's uh, a class that I forgot the name of the guy, but he was on a couple TV shows that he's one of Lincoln's people. He gave a class on welding, and then there was an actual like demonstration of MIG and TIG welding. Mm-hmm. And I really like. I mean, I just did it the one time, but 
compared to MIG welding, I really like TIG welding. It's more precise. It's not as loud. It's more finesse. And mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed it. And it's funny because I bought my TIG welder, was it after WorkbenchCon last year or maybe even before? Uh, I think it was after. Never used it. I've never, I turned it on to make sure it turned on, but I've never actually tried to use it before. Not for any particular reason. It's just I don't have the experience. I don't have the base knowledge to try it. And it's also not something I need to learn how to do. And I think that's a big thing for me is yeah. like having a specific need to know how to do it. And there have been projects. It could have used There have it. been like very, very few projects that have come across. I'm like, oh, we can use a TIG welder. But like you don't know how to do it. And I barely can admit that I know how to do it. Like, yeah. I would fumble through the settings and it would take probably two or three times as long to get a single TIG weld mm. as it would have been to like, all right, well, let's just approach this in a different way yeah, and to solve the problem in you know, the same outcome. Yeah, so hopefully I'll get that base knowledge and be able to do it when I get back, but we'll see. But it, it, either way, I mean, I'm looking forward, even if like the conference itself and all the talks and all that stuff are not, if for some odd reason they weren't as good as last year, I'm still just looking forward to seeing everybody. Like, events like this are where I see a lot of my friends, <laughs> you know? It's like um, I don't ever get to really hang out with a lot of people, like certain people, because we live in very different places and we do a lot of stuff. And so events like this are a good a good time just to meet up and, and hang out. So, Well, not to, to drop names, but our, we, we were talking to Anthony about Maker Faire and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. are there people that the people who follow the channel and who are fans of what we do assume that you just hang out with all the time that in reality, like you don't really get to see at these events. Any people that we don't, I mean like Jimmy and I, I was telling you this the other day, Jimmy and I rarely, Jimmy Duresta rarely get to actually hang out because anytime we are together, it's at an event like that. And you know, he gets swarmed by people (laughs) and he's super gracious with his time and wants to be with everybody all the time. And so it's just, you don't really get to hang out, you yeah. know? Um, but I don't know, like, uh, Jocko is going to be at WorkbenchCon, which is really cool. He's a he's a cool dude, and I'm looking forward to spending some time with him. Do you think he's bringing your knife? No, he, to- he told me he's not. Oh, okay. He didn't have it. They showed up, I think, today in Italy. Oh, wow. But he's already in Atlanta. Hmm. So he said the team is still there working on him, getting him shipped out through FedEx and everything, but he doesn't have mine. He sent me a message today saying... I have something for you in Atlanta, but it's not your knife. <laughs> so I don't know what that's about. If it's a severed head, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, I watched Wayne's World 1 and 2 yesterday, so I'm going to be making <laughs> tons of Wayne's World references. Yeah. So Workbench is this weekend. Workbench Con is this weekend. Um, and what else is going on? Anything? Uh, I just lost what I was doing. Yeah. This is the true test. Can I do a Rubik's Cube and talk on a podcast? Probably not. This is going to be... I have noticed that I mess up. I usually don't ever uh, miss pieces in Lego sets. Mm-hmm. But when we do this, at the end of the episode, I go back and I'm like, why do I have those four pieces? And then I have to go <laughs> back through the instructions for the previous section to find like where the piece was left out. It's the grays. Like the gray, and that car is just varying shades of gray. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think I'm just skipping, I'm skimming the instructions, and while I'm talking and thinking and listening, I'm also like looking at the thing, trying to like, okay, what's that piece? And then sometimes I'll just miss entire sections. 
but you know. Um, did you say that somebody asked us about a movie? Did you find that? Oh yeah. Somebody submitted a movie. I wrote me an email. It was extremely nice. Oh, that's nice and flattering. If I can find it, why? Um, so you may be noticing that the video, if you're watching video, that the video is a little different because we got a fancy new setup where we're using our fancy camera. Fanciest. And so it looks nicer. So we've got some multiple cameras. Um, yeah, see the fancy camera? And we've got a monitor so we can see ourselves. <laughs> Lots of not interesting stuff for the people to listen to. Uh, but we are trying to kind of up the, the deal a little bit. Josh ran away from the table. Uh, man, that's super bouncy. Anyway, so we're trying to, to up the video a little bit. In case you want to watch us build stuff or watch Josh work on the Rubik's Cube, um, you can actually see the video. No Instructions has its own YouTube channel, in case you're curious. Uh, we'll try to link it down in there. Or you can just, you can find it. You know, it's easy enough to find. Did you find the email? Yep. Okay. It's in the contact, not in mine. So we got an email from a Mr. James Cates. It was hey, very James. nice to me. Nice to you. What about what do you say about me? I'm just kidding. You're you. you. <laughs> but he asked if we had seen the movie Measure of a Man. No. I, I have to look it up now. Hmm. Okay, well, while you're looking that up, have you ever seen 310 to Yuma? Yes. Okay. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they'd never seen that, and I was really bummed because it's such a good movie. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a yes. lot of hesitation in that. I'm trying to remember the dude's name. Christian the Bale? No, the blonde-haired kid. The blonde-haired kid. Who is on some like Nickelodeon-type show. Oh. I don't know. He was in not the TV series, but the other Punisher. The guy with all like the piercings in his face. Wow. I don't Man, what is his name? remember that. He, oh, this is going to bug me. My head keeps saying Ed White, and that's an astronaut. It's not the name of this guy. What is his name? Larry White. People out there. Ben Foster. That's his name. Ben Foster. Old Ben Foster. Do you know who Ben Foster is? No, I don't. Okay. I don't enjoy Ben Foster's acting. Oh, okay. So um, He was the bad guy in something else. Did and every that time, ruin the movie for you? It didn't ruin it, but I went, oh, God, it's Ben Foster. And he acted like that. But then Christian Bale did a good job. Christian Bale does... There was another movie um, that he played a, a cavalry officer where he was escorting this Native American uh, chief back to, like, his homeland. It was a recent movie. Hmm. Christian Bale plays Americans a lot better than a lot of Americans. Yeah. He does. He was Dick Cheney in Vice, which I really want to see and I haven't got to see yet. Looked just like him. Didn't know it was Christian Bale. Um, did you, have you ever seen Empire of the Sun? Yes. Long, a friend of mine was in the movie. Really? That, the Empire of the Sun, the war movie with... Christian Bale. Christian was Bale was in? He was the kid. Really? Yeah. Isn't that wild? Isn't, uh, Bruce Willis in Empire of the Sun? Uh, I don't know. It's been... What movie am I thinking of? 20 plus years. Where they're like in the jungle and people are trying to shoot at him? No, that's not, that's not... What world am I thinking of? Empire of the Sun was... Oh, I don't want to ruin the story because I don't really remember it. Not that one. We'll just leave it at that. It's not the one you're thinking of. Nope. <laughs> no, it was not. 
Yeah, well, um, Christian Bale is a kid, mm-hmm. like probably seven or eight years old or something in it. And if I remember correctly, he plays an American kid in China? I'm thinking Tears of the Sun. Oh, mm, don't know that one. Tears of the Sun. There's a lot of weird movies that um, have very obscure military themes that because I was a, a helicopter crew chief, like it's a really popular backdrop or really popular, like, to be honest, like thing to blow up in a lot of movies. It was really disheartening that random movies, I'm like, oh, that's that's uh, that's Brian. Or like, that's Dave. Hmm. Or like the guy who got blown up in the Transformers movie. Like, I know that guy. I went to a course with him. He like reached out to grab the... Whatever the cube thing was. And he was like, give me the cube thing. And then they blew up the helicopter. I don't remember that. Yeah. I Honestly, I've kind of blocked out a lot of the Transformers. It was not good. Hmm. But even in Transformers movies, I knew that if there was a Blackhawk in any movie, it was going to blow up. Yeah. And it became a joke that like when we were at work and they were like, oh, so-and-so was thinking about coming to make some kind of movie. We're like, tell them no. <laughs> we're going to die in it. There was a guy that used to work for me when I was a survival instructor who was a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. And he was at, like uh, in the background of um, The Guardian with the rescue swimmers at like Kevin Costner and hmm. uh, what's the other guy's name? Ben Foster. No. <laughs> but anyway... Yeah, if there's a helicopter in a movie, they take a lot of pride in it, and then the movie people blow them up, and it's very sad. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, a friend of mine was in Tears of the Sun, which I say he was in Tears of the Sun. He used to talk about it all the time. His name was Mike Vandepfeiffer. That's a name. Yep. And we called him Pfeiffer. And so he, he was like, yeah, I was in the movie. We're like, where? And so you watch it, and it's like <laughs> there is a white helmet through a bunch of people and then a hand like helping someone with a seatbelt. He's like, that was me. <laughs> Some of my best work. That was me, man, you know. That's and funny. someone else was in traffic. Like mm. they were in the background of traffic. Hmm. And it's just the silliest things that like, it's super important to, to people in those moments. Did you know that um, my sister-in-law, Marnie, used to be an actress? I did. She told me about that. About being in Nash Bridges? Did she tell you about that? That's what the show was. I forgot what show it yeah. was. She was like a waitress in yeah. Nash Bridges. Yeah. So that's just where she got her... Her SAG insurance yep. card. She had one scene with Cheech Marin. I was in a TV show that Ricky Schroeder directed and produced. Really? Yeah. I don't think he preferred to be called Ricky Schroeder anymore as a Rick, grown man. Rick Schroeder. But yeah, the military had Schroeder. this weird thing where they would make these TV shows and they'd pull some random person off the street. And they were like, what do you think is cool about the military? And some guy like, <laughs> some dude with long hair or whatever is like, well, I was thinking about going to college. Or I was thinking about, you know, being a paratrooper. They're like, how about we make you a paratrooper for a day? And mm. then at the end, you get to decide whether you want to go to college or join the military. And so they did that with a guy who wanted to fly helicopters. And so when I was a survival instructor, they had just this random kid. And he had signed a bunch of waivers. and had to get, like, exemptions to contracts and things for him to do this, like, dangerous underwater survival training. Huh. Yeah, and it was a <laughs> – I don't remember. I had a speaking part. And then they cut it for time, but it was like we put this guy through the thing. And it like, was for time, not because you were awful at it, right? Oh, did I tell you about the time I met uh, Lieutenant Dan? <laughs> no. I didn't tell you that story? I don't think so. Gary Sinise, I think is his real name because yeah. Lieutenant Dan is a character. Um, but the same thing, he used to go around to USO shows on a bunch of different uh, military bases and hmm. play with his band called the Lieutenant Dan Band. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and oh, he, man. he played the bass. <laughs> and so he used to go just like check out all this stuff. And everybody was all cool. Was like, yo, it's Gary Sinise. It's pretty neat. And I was a uh, band band. Oh my gosh. We were working at the pool, uh, doing dunker training and it was in between classes. So it was just like us doing a bunch of instructor training. So I was in the water and we were like underwater fighting inside of this like cage thing that we worked in. And someone would like hit the ladder. And so you knew to come up out of the water and we're like, Holy crap, there's Lieutenant Dan hanging out and a bunch of people standing all around. And he was like, what y'all doing? We're like, Oh, do you want to just beating each other up underwater like we do and we were talking to him and like i'm in my my short wetsuit and so we had a shorty it was called so it's like a wetsuit with no long legs and mm-hmm. just like short sleeves and so we get out he's like oh, i want a picture with you guys this is super cool and so there's like a couple random students uh all of us you know that we're doing this training so i'm dripping wet and like we're standing in a line and then he like joins in the middle and like wants to be in the front of everybody and he kind of does that like half squat where he like spreads it around like yay yeah. kind of thing but when he did that his hand like hit me straight in my crotch <laughs> like huh. full on like like whoa, like whoa. a like a slap no it was like a uh, if you're going to like push a door open so not a slap, but like a forceful move mm. that had uncomfortable amount of contact with the thing that you really didn't want to be contacting. Gotcha. And so there was... And follow through on it. Three, yes. <laughs> and okay. he didn't even apologize. I'm like, oh boy. So in the picture, I'm like, I'm kind of wincing a little bit. <laughs> About to throw up. And I was in a wetsuit. I'm like, there's three millimeters of wet neoprene between... Me and Lieutenant Dan. Gary Sinise's bass playing hand <laughs> and my unmentionables. Oh, man. I almost got run over by uh, Kevin. Uh, what's his name? Spacey. Kevin Spacey? Yeah. So in Savannah. Gosh, sorry, were you done with your. I am. That's all. Okay. Yeah, there wasn't much more. He didn't, he didn't take me to dinner or anything. Okay. I was going to ask if he did anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Savannah, they when we lived in Savannah, they used to make a lot of movies there. Um, Lieutenant Dan was there at some point. Better watch out. He gets handsy. <laughs> um, but they did The Midnight in, in the Garden of Good and Evil. Midnight mm-hmm. in the Garden of Good and Evil. And that was when I was in college. Um, and so he was in town shooting for, I don't know, quite a while. But that was all downtown because the house that that took place at is in one of the squares downtown. And downtown Savannah is not very big. And so there was this coffee shop that we used to always go to. And you, there's a bunch of squares in Savannah, these little park things in the middle of, you know, houses and stuff. And you have to walk across these squares, but the cars have to drive around the squares. And so a lot of times you would cross, you would walk onto one side, and by the time you got walking to the other side, the car would make it around. Like you could make, you could walk across it faster than you could drive around it, mm. if that makes any sense. Okay. And anyway, so... Um, I was crossing the sidewalk, and I see this convertible coming toward, not close to me, but I could see it coming around to where I was going to be. And then by the time I got to the other side of the square, that convertible was zooming around that corner where I was going to be, and I was in the middle of the crosswalk when he got there. And he got within, I don't know, 10 inches bumper to my leg. And I, like, stopped in the middle of the road, you know, just, like, paused and looked up. And it's Kevin Spacey driving the convertible with, like, three teenage girls in the car. Girls? girls okay yeah i guess i don't know there's a bunch of things that happened in savannah so i just kind of looked at him and he kind of waved and like ducked his head a little bit like sorry 
and I just walked off. Hmm. And then later on that night, I was going to the coffee shop. So like later on that night, I ended up back at the same coffee shop. And um, it was like in the basement of those houses where it's like all the brick house, you know, the, like the bottom level is all brick and mm-hmm. unfinished. And so there's all these cool little shops and stuff down in those. This was a coffee shop in like a dungeon looking place. And so I'm in this coffee shop by myself. I go back in this little corner. There's a bunch of uh, board games and puzzles and stuff. And I go sit down to read a book. And I look up, and he's, like, there doing – I feel like he was playing Jenga by himself or something. I don't remember what it was exactly. But it was, like, him sitting in a corner in, like, a black hoodie with sunglasses. And I'm, like, looking at him going (laughs) – I'm going to (laughs) recreate But, I mean, you could tell it was him, right? It was (laughs) – Nobody knows it's me. I'm Kaiser Sozzi. And it was weird because then I was sitting down across from him and there's nobody else there. And I was like, I don't know. Do, what do I say? Like, you almost hit me today. Do I say anything? Do I not say anything? And I didn't say anything. It wasn't worth it. But we actually ran into a bunch of famous people. Playing in Jenga by yourself. I think that's, that's what it was. Sad. Maybe it wasn't a puzzle, but I remember him doing something by himself and it was in the game, you know, the like the corner where all the games and stuff were. Hmm. I feel like it was Jenga. Maybe. I guess as a person who likes to be away from a bunch of people, I can get that. Like, I don't know. I've taken the opportunity yeah. to go hang out by myself in a coffee shop, and if Jenga happens to be around, I'm going to throw down on some of that yeah, Jenga. I, mean, just, I, like, mean, I maybe not try to look it. like the undescript Unabomber as I do it. <laughs> yeah, he definitely looked like the Unabomber. Okay, so you are right. <laughs> I have solved the first two layers of this cube, mm-hmm. and uh, I have to solve these corners, and I don't remember how that's pretty good though i mean in that amount of time if you can get back to the first two layers Uh, that's kind of where my memory trailed off after you know a couple of months i could get that far and i could never do anything to the top i need to swap these and i don't remember so i got a couple other famous people story from savannah let's do it um i went to see Nickelback. No. It was the second Matrix movie in okay. the theater. Okay. Yeah. So I'm in college. You're, you're going down the hill. Okay. <laughs> so a bunch of us were going to go see it. We liked the first one. Didn't know that the second one was going to be bad. So we go into this big movie theater. It was the big one in Savannah at the time. Mm-hmm. So the biggest room. And we walk in, and there's like a dude, big dude, very scary dude, in a suit, standing right at the bottom of the row. Just standing there, arms down in a suit. And so we start walking up the stairs in the theater, you know, going up the seats. And there were people sitting in the front few rows and in the back few rows and off to the sides. And right in the middle, there's two people in all white clothing. White baseball caps, white t-shirts, white pants, white. Hmm. And on either side of them, a couple seats down, are two more really big dudes in suits. Was it P. Diddy? No. Oh, okay. Take a guess who it was. I'm just curious if you can figure it out. I was thinking. Well, I was thinking two, that. two people. You would know both of them. Ooh. And this Dressed is in think about the, think about the Savannah. time frame. There's uh, no way you'll ever guess it. I don't know. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. What? And it was in the time where he was with her and just like I guess dressed however she dressed. So <laughs> so she was like in full fly girl, you know, like yeah. white, and he was like, I'm just gonna wear white too. And it was so weird looking. Anyway, we ended up sitting maybe three rows behind them in the middle. But it was strange. I don't. I didn't see the security guards, like, keep anybody away from them, but there was a circle around them in the theater hmm. where just nobody sat. 
it was strange. And then um, there's a uh, ice cream place called Leopold's in Savannah. Did you ever go there? No. It's down on on the main uh, main street where all the shops are and stuff. Really good ice cream place. And uh, Stratton Leopold is a movie producer. He's like the guy that. What are you doing? I'm going to consult. I'm, I, I need to. There's oh, a, there's a the, hint there's to get okay. over this first layer hump here. So Stratton Leopold is a movie producer that's from Savannah. Really nice guy. Um, but his family had this ice cream place, and so he came back to Savannah and reopened it and blah, 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 blah. He has movie posters with, on the walls in this ice cream place of all the movies that he's produced or had something to do with. His I Love Me wall? Well, I mean, kind of. But it's more like he has movie posters signed by the actors that were in the movies. And so it's just kind of mm. a cool, you know. Like he did um, he did Paycheck with Ben Affleck. He did a bunch of better movies than that. But I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. Anyway, so one night... Uh, Jenny was downtown walking around and I was at work and she calls me and she's like, I'm standing outside Leopold's and Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner are inside and there's nobody else in there. They're just talking to Stratton. I'm like, cool, go in and say hi to them. Say what up? Like, they both seem like they're probably pretty cool people. Go in there and you know Stratton, like we've met him before and stuff. I'm like, go in there and just say hi. She's like, I can't, I'm all nervous. (laughs) She's like... (laughs) She was like, I don't want to be creepy. So instead of being creepy by going to say hi, she's standing outside on the street looking at him through the window on the phone <laughs> with me. Anyway, she never made it in there. But my friend, Kevin, I used to work with, he and Stratton were good friends. And so as soon as I said it, Kevin jumps up out of his seat, runs out there because he wants to go meet Ben Affleck. So he ended up hanging out with him that night, I think. And in the I would like to meet Ben Affleck. Yeah. And I would talk about the voyage of the Mimi. <laughs> I wouldn't ask him about anything else. So... All right. I think you're not a great Batman. I think when you try to act, you don't do a good job. I think you need to be super low-key in everything else that you do, and you win. You win hardcore. You peaked at the Voyage of the Mimi. Wow. And I'm really, and I'm really proud of you. That's harsh, man. No, I would say, no, you're, I would shake his hand. As a child actor, you've might, done really, really great. He, he might punch you for that, though. And that's, that's fine. <laughs> that's pretty harsh. I already got hit in the gonads by young Lieutenant Dan. That's true. Get you can't hurt face. me. Uh, yeah. What you got, Ben Affleck? <laughs> He's not Batman anymore. I know. Did you see that? Yeah. He should try to be Daredevil again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that whole thing with seeing him in town twice and how everybody reacts to him or to famous people weirdly when they don't, you know, when you just get confronted with him and you're not like, uh, oh, it's a famous person. I need to. That always made me want to figure out a way to get in touch with him, like Sandra Bullock was another one who was always in Savannah. Hmm. She Actually, the two of them did a movie together in Savannah. And then she ended up buying a house out on Tybee Island and stuff. Um, but she's another one who was around. And every time, you know, people like flock to them and they act all weird. And I always thought it would be super cool to figure out how to get in touch with them and be like, hey, if you're ever in Savannah and you want to not feel like a freak. Like a haven. If you want to come over, we'll like cook you dinner and just yeah. hang out. But even that to that type of person probably sounds like, oh, here's a creeper who wants me to come to their house so they can kill me. If someone... But it seems like it would hmm. be really nice from that perspective to have somebody like, hey, you want to come be normal? Like, come have be a normal. civilian. Yeah. But I don't know how to do that. And right now, and not right now, recently, I was watching something with um, Chris Pratt Yeah. in it. And I had the same feeling about him. I'm like, I bet that dude is probably really cool to hang out with. Like, mm-hmm. if you get past of all all the f- 
fame and all the this and that. He's probably just a really nice guy and probably a lot of fun. Yeah. But people like that, you would never really get the chance to, you know, sit down and have a conversation with. Do you know that there are many, many people that are going to WorkbenchCon right now that have that exact same feeling about you? <laughs> Why'd you say that? This was uh, one of the topics that we had on that board for a long time that we never, we've never had a segue into. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Famous or even than Captain Kangaroo, Mr. Bob Claggett. I, I mean, I don't know. That's that's weird to think about. Well, just think about it. That's all. Let it well, let it stew in your brain. What do, what do you want me to think about it? I don't know. So, I don't know. I had a cool story about when I met someone famous, but then we went off to you being famous, so well, I met no, you. No, no, no. We're not talking about me. I met, you. I I met Anthony. I don't want to Anthony's talk about me. pretty cool. That's not the point. My point was, like, somebody who's legitimately famous and has trouble going normal places without being responded to in a yeah. weird way. I mean, that, that would probably have to get overwhelming and, like, tiring. I think it's... I don't know. I saw the documentary on Netflix about the weird sightings of Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. And so I think Bill Murray handles that whole thing pretty gracefully where he just goes where he feels like going. And he doesn't have an agent. And he just has a phone number that you call and you pitch the idea on the voicemail. And really? then, Yeah. And then he gets in, in touch back if he thinks it's cool. And it's just like Bill Murray randomly showing up at someone's yeah. wedding or at a, uh, I guess he owns um, part of the baseball team in, in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. And so he's like, oh, he's known in Charleston. Yeah. And it was the same way um, in the Panhandle of Florida where I grew up, around Sandestin and 30A and all those places where, like, a lot of really rich people have houses. And so the story went when we were in high school that, like, Britney Spears had a house down there. And it was uh, middle school or high school when Britney Spears was mega popular. Like, someone broke into her house and stole a bunch of her stuff. Hmm. And then a bunch of people were like, hey, she has a house down here. And then it became, like, everybody else that owned a house down on the beach. Mm. And then they made the Truman Show. Which was taped down on the beach, like where we lived. Oh, really? Yeah, that was in elementary or middle school, and they had a bunch of random casting calls for like a red-haired, you know, chubby kid or a brown-haired kid, and it was in the like the one of the U.S. senators lived down there, and it was in his house where they filmed it. But hmm. whatever. But I tell you about the time that I got handcuffed in the Oval Office of the White House. No. Yeah, that's not that fun. fun. So like people that were actually detained, or it was part of a planned well you gotta let me tell okay the story. Go, go, sorry go ahead i'll feed you baby bird don't give stop me saying that <laughs> stop saying that so my uncle works at the white house he's worked there since uh the reagan administration and so every summer i would go like work with him i would go hang out with him and my uncle and then i would just go to work doing usher stuff because he's an usher so he's not like a butler he's a guy that makes sure that like, if there's something that's going to happen for an address, they set everything up. They set everything up for tours. They're the people that make sure that the residents, the actual White House, not just the president, like, stuff taken care of. Hmm. His office, there's a door from his office that leads into the bowling alley. And so if I ever had to impress people when I was younger, I would get them a tour of the White House and, like, take a picture of them in a bowling alley. Nice. I turned a D from an A in U.S. history my senior year of high school by doing that. Wow. Like a champ. Um but yeah, it was really weird because it would have like random things. Um, Eric Clapton and B.B. King were playing a duet for President Clinton, and I got to set up all their stuff. Sweet. And I was hanging out with her guitar techs when I was uh, 12 or 14, one of those wow. times. Yeah, it was super cool. But one of these times, the first time I met President Clinton, uh, there was a photo shoot um, like on the Rose Garden, like in the Rose Garden. And then part of it was outside the Oval Office. So we went in and like had to make sure that no one was going to take anything and like move some stuff around and set up some of this camera gear. 
And so they moved out of the Oval Office, like out into the lawn. And I was just in there kind of nosy and snooping around because I was 14 and wanted to see what all this cool stuff was. And so like I was looking at the, the desk, the Resolute desk, and then behind the desk is like another desk, which is like full of knickknacks and stuff. And I remember looking around, there's a bunch of like military like challenge coins, you know, those coins mm-hmm. people have. There's a bunch of those. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys had just won the Super Bowl. Like they won a couple in succession. I don't really remember. But there was a Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl ring that could probably fit on my wrists. And I remember thinking that as a Goodness. kid. It was huge. Like it would be, it would, it would fit Thanos. <laughs> and I remember picking it up and it's like, got sapphires and diamonds and all this i'm like good gracious this thing is nuts and i'm like i'm picking up and like touching all the what is this thing and like i have no respect for things that are not mine <laughs> let alone like those are your legos and i just did that offensive move like this was the president of the united states and i'm just like touching all the stuff <laughs> and then like in a flash like my arm gets thrown behind me and i get thrown on the ground and i'm handcuffed and I remember the, the carpet was, was blue. Mm. It was a very nice shade of blue. And I had moved the coffee table out of the way, so I was put right where the coffee table was. And this guy was screaming at me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, my uncle, his name is this, and he, he worked. And they're like, we don't know anybody by that name. What are you doing in here? And he's just, like, screaming at me. Then these other guys come in, and they start screaming at me. And I'm on the ground, and I'm freaking out. And uh, they, like... Like cops do, they pick me up by my my wrist and my Mm -hmm. belt at the same time and like almost lift me off my feet. And they're leading me out of the room. Like the Oval Office has these really big, thick doors. And they lead me across the hall into the Roosevelt room. And my uncle is sitting at this table just laughing. Oh. He set me up. (laughs) And I had these two uh, uniformed Secret Service agents. Like laughing and so they sit me in this chair and i remember like they kept me in the handcuffs for a long time and i'm like haha okay (laughs) joke's over and then they went and did something and they're like no you're good and so i'm getting like that's rough then they're telling me about the roosevelt room and i'm looking at uh teddy roosevelt's nobel prize on the banister while i'm handcuffed (laughs) like (laughs) this is not how tours should go or maybe how all of the tours should go yeah maybe it should sounds kind of interesting but yeah that was I met President Clinton a couple times. Uh, I met President Bush one time. But I remember President Clinton had a cat named Socks. Yeah. And they kept it in the basement. Like all the presidential animals. I don't know about President Obama's thing or I just know the President Clinton's. Like he had a dog and a cat and they lived in the basement. And it was somebody's job to like walk him. Hmm. And so they're like, yeah, you want to go take care of the cat today? I'm like, not really. But they're like, go take care of the cat. And so I like took him outside and a bunch of people were watching. And then they're like, oh, go take him in the tour line. So I had this big, fat, black and white cat, and it was like a teenager walking through the line in the White House of the tours, and like these Japanese tourists were all taking my picture, and they had these little cards with a paw print on it. It was like a signature little, you can get a a commemorative headshot of (laughs) socks. Yeah, socks the cat. It was so dumb. Wow. So dumb. Got to pay those bills. Yep. Somehow. Yeah, those are... Super silly moments where your life intertwines with things that other people think are super famous, but it's just just stuff. one of those yeah. odd, stupid stories. That's funny. Yeah. It was pretty good. He got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got anything else? Any other, any no, other funny there's stories? A, it's a, so the Rubik's Cube, like I can, 
I have to give a lot more thought to it because this is the part, like you're saying, I'm trailing down in the amount of times I've had to angrily redo this section. Um, I got the, the yellow cross. I have two whole layers, and then on the, the yellow section is the bottom. You make the cross, and then you do the corners. And the corners, there's a way to swap the corners. And then it got kind of not really tricky, but more meticulous toward the end. So I'm going to... I'm just going to relish in the fact that I, ooh, look, the whole the whole green side and the whole blue side and the white side are done. So if I hold it at just the right angle, <laughs> looks like you I did can it. convince people that it's, <clears throat> nope, because those are on the wrong side. Anyway, yeah, it's kind of sort of done. Yeah, you're getting there. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, if you do that a few times, you're just building up the memory for those last right. parts, you know. I, I literally did one and then walked in this room. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I got a little cocky on how quickly I would be able to reproduce that. <laughs> level of excitement cool yeah. well uh unless we got anything else we wrap how it long have we been doing this i gotta go to atlanta uh 50 minutes 50 minutes for real 50 yeah. wow i didn't think it was that long lieutenant dan lieutenant dan grabbed me in the junk <laughs> <laughs> i have a pic i probably had that picture on my phone i can put that in the show notes that would be pretty funny to see cool you got anything else no nah, man word yeah, go go pack. Yeah, I should go do that. And I want to finish this set. I was really hoping I would be able to get. Is this all you have left? This is it. Oh, and you can push through that. I can it's help coming you. together, but here, I'll, I'll help. No, no, yeah, I want to do this. it. Goes like <laughs> stop that. Stop. Let me put the spinny. Nope. Nope. Sticking straight up. Oh, oh wait, I can I can put the boot on. That's boot. The boot. The, they do say the boots the back, right? Yep. What's what do they call the front? Um, the oh, it opens the bonnet. The bonnet? Yeah. Look at Anthony. Look at that. Look at that. Ooh. We haven't talked about um, Maker Central. We should, so we're just on Workbench Con now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about Maker Central. We've been talking about Maker Central, which is in the UK, and Maker Fair in California. Mm, and Yeah. Whew, All right. Bunch. We'll get to that. Yeah, man. Um, where can people find you? On Instagram at the PI Workshop or on Twitter at Josh Makes Stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of us at I Like to Make Stuff. Um, in a few, I guess it's a couple months, Forby's going to be back here. hey So maybe we'll have to do another episode and get all four of us on uh, for that one. That would be fun. That would be cool. Yeah. Anthony, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram. That changed it recently. Under Anthony Lee Rose. Anthony Lee Rose. There you go. Instagram. Yeah, that's my main. That says main squeeze, he says. We'll put all that in the show notes. And thank you for setting all this up, by the way. Yeah. This is really professional. He has stepped up our game significantly. So it looks like we know what we're doing. Right? Cool. Great job. <laughs> all right. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.